0: Everyone needs a pastor. A visit to the pastor's study brings biblically faithful pastoral ministry to you and help from those with proven experience in Christian service. We want you to be part of the program during the 30 minutes ahead. To visit the pastor's study today, text your question at 516 367 0391. Again, that's 516 367 Now, welcome to today's visit to the pastor's study with Pastor Bill Shishko. And I am your host, Pastor Bill
1: Shishko. We invite your calls. If you're listening on Saturday, you may call in live at 631-955-5400. That's 631-955-5400. Or you can text your questions at any time in the week for text questions only, 516 367 Well, today and in the next few weeks, I want to wade into the waters of the cultural maelstrom of this time in our nation's history, issues related to biological sex, gender, and human sexuality. This perfect storm, if you will, brings together the high-pressure system of LGBTQ issues, that's lesbian, gay bisexual, transgender, queer issues with the equally high-pressure system of a a medical community that's now in many cases required to give cross-sex hormones and even body-altering surgery to those who claim that they are one gender trapped in the body of another. And to make this a, a cultural perfect storm, if you will, We've got to add the hurricane of what is called ROGD, rapid-onset gender dysphoria, a phenomenon in which clusters of young people, usually teenagers, and usually teenagers who are hyper through social media sites, come to the conclusion that they are non-binary, that is, neither male nor female, or trans, short for transgender, that is, people who feel that their gender is different than their biological sex. And understandably, parents are alarmed, even socially liberal parents who don't have a problem with things like so-called gay marriage or even transgenderism. Their concern is that their child, usually a daughter, who hasn't had any previous issues regarding his or her sexuality, suddenly, out of the blue, announces that he or she is bisexual, non-binary, or transsexual. And then add to that, The relative ease with which young people, including children, can get hormone replacement treatments and surgeries to make them look like the gender they feel they are, well, you can see why parents are upset. There's even a popular website for parents who are experiencing this phenomenon in their own homes, Fourth Wave Now. You don't need to read much of the running commentary on that site to realize that we We really are in a brave new world culturally. Now, I am not for a moment brushing off the many complications to human sexuality that come in a fallen world populated by fallen people who often do some very cruel things to other fallen people, and as a pastor for nearly four decades— I work with people with all kinds of sexual difficulties. I'm not thrown by these things, and I always try to enter the world of those who struggle with same-sex attraction, homosexuality, lesbianism, and various gender identity issues. But this current perfect storm strikes me as being of a different order. Now, I'm open to be corrected, but these more recent developments seemed to me to be not so much a battle with personal sin and sexual brokenness, but an actual rebellion against the way God made us as male and female. And some time back, I also came to the conviction that a lot of this is very faddish, not not unlike the so-called free love movement of the 1960s. Then I learned about ROGD, Rapid Onset Gender Dysphoria. I wasn't aware of ROGD until I read an article by one of my favorite journalists in my favorite magazine. The journalist is Jamie Dean, and the magazine is World, a bi-weekly news publication that's just part of a much larger enterprise called World News Group. You can check them out at www.wng.org. I can't praise too highly World News Group's commitment to faithful journalism done under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Well, Jamie's article that caught my eye was called Pressure to Conform. Despite the resistance of LGBTQ activists, studies are now confirming that ROGD, Rapid Onset Gender Dysphoria, is a byproduct of peer pressure that has a fertile field on social media, especially in virtual worlds like Tinder. But there's much more. That peer pressure can lead teenagers to make major life-altering decisions regarding their biological sex, what we've always called gender, and those decisions have a host of unknown consequences down the road. Now, perfect storms are devastating, and this really is a cultural perfect storm in an uncharted new world. Jamie Dean, national editor of World Magazine, is once again my guest on a visit to the pastor's study. Our topic is, what is ROGD, rapid onset gender dysphoria, and what helps can we give to parents and teens who are affected by it? Jamie and I invite your questions. Again, if you're listening on Saturday, you may call And be live on the program, 631-955-5400, or you can text your questions anytime, 516-367-0391. Jamie Dean, welcome to today's visit to the pastor's study. Well,
2: thank you. It's great to be here.
1: And good to have you back with us. Jamie, um, ROGD is, is relatively recent on our cultural landscape. Could you give us a little history
2: Sure. You know the phenomenon around transgenderism is is not new. Uh, we've seen a, a growing number of even young children expressing distress with their birth sex, uh, but rapid onset gender dysphoria is something different. This has crept up onto the radar screen really in the last few years. As parents in online forums and websites have begun to seek each other out and speak out about their alarm over what they're observing in their teenage children. And it's just what you described earlier. Teenagers, usually girls, who have never shown outward distress over their birth sex, even as younger children. Parents often describe them as having been girly girls, even ballerinas. But all of a sudden, they announced they're essentially trapped in the wrong body and want to live as the opposite sex. Uh,
1: J- Jamie, uh, uh, the recent studies about ROGD, what are they concluding? Are there consistent findings regarding this?
2: Well, yeah, there actually haven't been many studies about it since it's a rather new phenomenon, and it's not a particularly popular subject to explore, um, partly because transgenderism is so accepted in the cultural narrative now. But a a researcher at Brown University named Lisa Lippmann conducted a study last fall um, that was published in a reputable academic journal, and she basically surveyed these parents who are distressed over ROGD and their teens. And one thing that was really interesting about these parents was that about 85% said they have no problem with homosexuality or even transgenderism. I mean, essentially, they would consider themselves liberal in the area of sexuality. So, so their concerns did not appear to be driven by any ideological or religious reasons. They were concerned because their daughters had shown no signs of distress before Declaring they were transgender or no signs of distress over their birth sex before declaring they were transgender. And parents said that they saw this um, happening in clusters. So, in other words, whole friend groups were suddenly declaring they were transgender. They also said their kids had spent a ton of time online before this happened. Um, A significant portion said their children had been diagnosed with a mental health disorder before claiming dysphoria, a mental health disorder uh, unrelated to that. So there were all sorts of interesting and I think important findings here, but this study met almost immediate condemnation by transgender activists. And, And I think it's notable that activists Pushed back first. It wasn't academics and other researchers or physicians pushing back first. It was activists. And their contention was essentially that gender dysphoria is always real and parents should never discourage their children from pursuing transgenderism if that's what the child wants. One activist even said, you know, this study isn't valid because the researcher has to be transphobic to even explore this question. Um, And it was interesting, you know, the, the journal that this study was published in buckled pretty quickly um, and said they would review the study, they would address these concerns. Now, this was a study that had already been peer-reviewed and and approved before going into the journal. Um, I noticed that the former dean of Harvard Medical School said he had never once seen a comparable reaction from an academic journal within days of a study's publication. And that's important because it tells you that academics and physicians and parents are facing tremendous pressure from activists to conform to this cultural narrative surrounding transgenderism no matter what it costs the people who are involved.
1: Yeah, we found that out, Jamie, even doing programs on topics like this, we will inevitably get responses. Usually, there, I think they're form responses with all kinds of criticisms, so so certainly that resistance is out there. J- Jamie, in your article, Pressure to Conform, you talk about how suicide prevention is brought into all of this. Develop that for us a
0: little bit.
2: Well, you know, sadly, this idea of suicide prevention, it's really kind of the ultimate point of leverage against parents who have concerns. Um, you know, physicians and psychologists will sometimes tell parents, look, if you don't go along with what your child wants in this area, your child might end up committing suicide down the road. Uh, over this distress, over their gender. And so just imagine what that's like, um, especially for a secular parent who has no bearings or very little bearings for what's up and down in all of this, to tell that parent, you might be the reason your child commits suicide. I mean, it's almost an unbearable pressure for them to resist. And so many of them don't
1: resist it because of that. And, and Jamie, for the for the people that are, that are caught up in in this ROG deed, I, I, mean, I do think it is peer pressure, your pressure to conform. What kinds of treatments do these people seek
0: out, Jamie?
2: Well, they would, you know, I might not use the word treatment um, in this case. But maybe intervention might be a, okay. a, a word. Um, they, they seek out the same interventions that, that anyone who says they have gender dysphoria might seek out. So young children sometimes will seek out or their parents will allow them to be put on puberty-blocking drugs. Um, For teenagers, the the kind of teenagers we're talking about here who've already gone through puberty, um, many of them might seek out cross-sex hormones. Um, In some cases, um, girls seek out what physicians rather euphemistically call top surgery, which means a mastectomy. So you might have girls as young as 16 having their breasts permanently removed. Um, and and I, would, I would just add here that 86 colleges nationwide have student health plans that include coverage for cross-sex hormones and cross-sex surgery.
1: And, Jamie, the long-term consequences of these interventions, are there st- studies about that?
2: Uh, there certainly are. I mean, you know, I, I personally think one of the most tragic consequences of cross-sex hormones is sterility. Uh, which which can happen often, and so you're essentially asking young teenagers or even children to make this life-altering decision to forego having biological children. I, I find that an unconscionable choice to ask a child to make about their future. That that really breaks my heart when I think about that. Um, and and the scary truth is that we don't know the really long term consequences. You know, lifelong use of cross-sex hormones is, is a new phenomenon. Uh and, and physicians who approve of it um, admit they don't know what might happen 20, 30, 40 and longer years down the line. Uh, we do know there's an increased risk of stroke. Some worry that it can decrease bone density in adolescence. Um, and even if a person decides to stop taking the hormones, they don't always fully recover from the effects. So so this really is a life-altering decision wow. that these children and teenagers are making.
1: Yeah, this really is, as I put it, a cultural uh, maelstrom in a, in a brave new cultural world. My guest is Jamie Dean, who is the national editor of World Magazine. We're talking about ROGD, rapid onset gender dysphoria. A lot more to do. We'll be back after this message from a voice, the voice of a visit to the pastor's study.
0: It's not enough to listen to pastors on the radio or to watch them on television. Everyone needs a biblically faithful pastor and everyone needs a biblically faithful church. A Visit to the Pastor's Study is a ministry of the Orthodox Presbyterian Churches in the Metropolitan New York area. We're no substitute for a faithful pastor in a local church, but we are a supplement. Visit our website www.visitthepastorsstudy.org and you can bring the ministry of this program right to your electronic device. Here you'll find archives of past programs, a weekly message from Pastor Bill's Pastors Post, helps for pastors, helps for congregation members, material for officer training, and much more. That's www.visitthepastorstudy.org. And we also invite you to contact the host of this program, Pastor Bill Shishko. You can email him at visitpastorbill@gmail.com. at gmail.com. He'd love to hear from you so that he can bring his pastoral ministry to you personally. That's visitpastor. Remember, everyone needs a pastor. And now back to today's edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. I am your host, Bill Shishko, with
1: you today. We're talking about what should we make of ROGD, rapid onset gender dysphoria, and how do we approach the subject as Christians. My guest is Jamie Dean, national editor for World Magazine, whose article, Pressure to Conform got me interested in the subject. Along with the other contact information, feel free to call my study, 516-593-1507, or you can text your questions anytime in the week, 516-367-0391. Jamie, talk about the role of social media in ROGD.
2: I think that's really important, especially for, for parents to be aware of. I mean, one of the things in Littman's study that she found was that uh, a high percentage of parents, as I mentioned earlier, said that their children had spent a ton of time online on social media before declaring they were transgender. And and there are all sorts of places that teenagers can go to get immersed in this world. You know, When I write about this, I, I find myself being careful to not even lead people to where these things are found. But, but there's all kinds of online forums um, and websites and places that that teens can go, and, and they can find um, not only just affirmation of what they're feeling and encouragement to go forward, you know, they can find, uh, for lack of a better word, counsel, I guess, from, from others who have gone down this path who will tell them, you know, if you're going to a physician's appointment and you're looking for cross-sex hormones, here are the key words you're going to want to hit when you get into that office. If you want to get those cross-sex hormones on your first visit, here are some key phrases to use. Well, you know Whether that phrase applies to you or not, here's what you should say um, to get what you want. So so it really is amazing what's out there and, and what's available. And, and, and any parent who has a child spending time online you know, really should be aware of, of, of those kinds of things that are out there.
1: And, and, and Jamie, your article points out that, that coming out as non-binary, neither, neither male nor female or transsexual, builds a teenager's popularity one of your quotations from the article being trans is a gold star in the eyes of other teens then later being heterosexual and comfortable with it is looked down on really is that the case well that
2: was that's the question i wondered as well i mean i was i was fascinated by that part of of the study, I guess every generation of teenagers has its own strange things that are popular or unpopular. But this does appear to be um, quite a fad um, among among teens. And, and there were parents saying that when when their teenagers were coming out and saying they were transgender, that it, that it was it was boosting their their credibility at school. And and being home uh, being straight, being heterosexual, was almost seen as kind of like a fuddy-duddy, you know, square thing now. So. Uh, it was amazing to me that that's kind of where we are. Oh.
1: Yeah, again, the article that I'm referring to from World Magazine, I'm I'm assuming it is available on online at wng.org, worldnewsgroup.org, pressure to conform. Uh, Jamie, is this similar to other disorders that affect, and I'm going to call it that because that's what it is, but disorders that affect young people, eating disorders, that kind of thing?
2: Yeah, you know, and, and I think you're right about saying disorder. You know, I just... I would mention that that gender dysphoria was actually called gender identity disorder until around 2012. So that tells you how quickly this has all happened. That it was considered a mental disorder until just a few years ago, when this when this pressure swept in. Um, but yes, I mean you know some um, psychologists that I spoke with and others said you know this they see similarities to, for example. Um, the fad of of anorexia among young girls during the 80s and 90s. Now, anorexia is is obviously a real problem that, that plenty of people face, but what they saw was that in teenage groups of girls, after one girl said she was anorexic, sometimes several other girls in that friend group would say that as well. And so they see some similarities here. One person says they're transgender, and then all of a sudden, and parents in these studies said this, every group of Every girl in that group of friends would say they were transgender uh-huh. as well. So, so there does appear to be a fad or a cluster uh, element a
1: to fad. this. And, and Jamie, what's the response of the medical community that hasn't signed on to ROGD as anything more than a fad?
2: Well, it's it's not easy for them to speak out about this. In fact, I you know I wrote a couple of years ago about a psychiatrist um, at the University of Louisville named Alan Josephson who was speaking out about it. Um, he is. A member of the Christian Medical and Dental Association, and just recently, just in the last couple of weeks, um, he announced that he he says he recently lost his job at the University of Louisville, after publicly saying parents should listen to their children with empathy, but then try to help them live according to their birth sex. He said this in a public forum at the the Heritage Foundation. Um, Some of his colleagues complained. Um, He was apparently first demoted, and then his contract wasn't renewed after 15 years of chairing his department. Um, This has happened to others, and um, it tells you there is a real-world cost to speaking out about this, um, one endocrinologist I spoke with said he thinks there's actually a lot of physicians that think that this is folly, but they won't speak out because of because of what they think will happen to them, because they're afraid of the pressure that they'll face. And, and you know, he said even if physicians eventually do come around and, and start Admitting that there are problems with this, he said, we will have done so much damage by then. And that, and that is the really tragic thing here. Um, damage that can't be undone, um, in this life at least. And, and so, you know, I've come to think of this group of especially children and teenagers as such an unprotected group um, in our country. We are rightly concerned about the unborn and the aging and the poor and, and all of these different groups. But I mean, I've come to think of this group of children who are being pushed in this direction by adults that they trust mm-hmm. as, as such an unprotected protected group of children. And and, and it really is a, a heartbreak that we need to continue to follow.
1: And Jamie, thank you so much for your work with World Magazine. Uh, Jamie is, is, is national news editor for World. She is tracking uh, things related to this. We really very much appreciate World Magazine, Jamie, and we also appreciate your labors in particular. Thanks for being our guest today. Time thank for, you for having me. You're, you're welcome, Jamie. Time for counsel from the pastor's study i cannot overstate romans 12 and verses 1 and 2 i beseech you by the mercies of god that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto god as your reasonable service don't be conformed to this age but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove the good and pleasing and acceptable will of god it's a relentless battle to not let the world push you into its mold and rather to be continually transformed by the renewing of your mind under the final authority of the word of God and under the lordship of the word made flesh, Jesus Christ. Don't let the world push you into the mold of faddish views of gender and sexuality. Increasingly, we're hearing from those who had been duped. Jamie Shoup, poster person as a transgender woman, is now among growing numbers of people who've renounced transgenderism, and he now calls it, quote, a fraud perpetrated by psychiatry the likes of something the united states and the world hasn't experienced since the lobotomy era god's good design he made adam male and eve female not both and for either of them now in a fallen world medical rarities come they can be corrected by medical means and there are many issues in a fallen world but these sexual issues can be dealt with by the grace of god in jesus christ grace that really is greater than human sin. Let's let the church rise to the occasion. What does it mean that God made males and females? And how is this God's wise design? What are God's good purposes in heterosexual intimacy and the bonds of marriage? And how do people with challenges like same-sex attraction or gender identity issues deal with them by applications of the good news of Christ's work to forgive us and to make us new creation day by day and moment by moment. See, medical treatments can alter the way you look. Jesus Christ, the great physician, can transform what you are. Look to him in true faith and true repentance, and then just watch what he'll do. My thanks to Jamie Dean, national editor for World Magazine, for being my guest on today's visit to the pastor's study. Thanks for listening. It's a privilege to be a pastor to you through the medium of radio. I appreciate your feedback and your questions. Email me, Visit pastorbill at gmail.com. Remember, Sunday is the Lord's Day. Be sure to set apart time to worship the Lord in a church that's faithful to the Word of God. And remember, everyone needs a pastor.
0: You've been listening to this week's A Visit to the Pastor's Study, a ministry of Reformation Metro New York, Incorporated in the Orthodox Presbyterian Churches of Metropolitan New York and Connecticut. For more information on the program, check out our website at www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. That's www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. Listen in next week for another Visit to the Pastor's Study. Remember, everyone needs a pastor.